Welcome to the Mountain Bike Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Davidson, where it's my job to deconstruct the techniques, habits, and strategies of world-class mountain bikers so that you can discover how to shred with absolute confidence. We'll cover everything from breaking down exactly how you can ride faster with more control to reducing crashes and even how to transform your life with insights from the leaders of our sport. Whether you're a beginner getting started, an advanced rider hungry for an edge, or an elite rider competing to prolong your career, the Mountain Bike Movement Podcast has something for you. So get ready, let's drop in and go hit the trails. All right, everyone. Welcome to the Mountain Bike Movement Podcast, the podcast for mountain bike fanatics, where it is my job, I'm Dave, by the way, to discover the methods, the habits, and tactics of elite athletes, creative trail builders, and industry insiders so that you can transform your riding and transform your life. So on the podcast today, I have a very special guest. His name is Dr. Jason Richardson, and he's all the way from California. Dr. Jason is a world champion, growing champions. He is a personal coach. He is a speaker, a leadership coach, and an Olympic psychologist. Now, when you're not actually watching him out on the bike, he is a BMX commentator, so you can actually tune in and hear him with you know different BMX and Olympic events. And he is the author of It's All BS, We're All Wrong and You're All Right. He is a sought-after speaker with organizations like Lexus, USA Cycling, Keller Williams, the NFL Players Association. He's even been featured in ESPN Radio, Inc.com, USA Today, The Guardian, among other places as well. So now what's really cool about Dr. Jason is that he is also not only a Pan American gold medalist holder, he's also a proud owner of some rainbow stripes as well. So welcome to the show. Dr. Jason, and it's great to have you. Wow. Thanks for having me. I should have had my bike in the background too. What's your preferred ride right now? Transition Sentinel. Large. Sentinel. Mm -hmm. Very cool. I'm curious, do you size your mountain bikes like you size your BMX bikes? In other words, do you like it to feel about the same or do you like it to feel a little bit roomier? So interesting. So BMX bikes have changed a bit since when I stopped racing. They've gotten they've gotten a lot longer too. But I have my range in BMX. I'm, I'm pretty specific with what I like, and I, I just stick with that. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting with each bike. So, like my BMX bike, my trail, my enduro bike, I guess, and my DJ. I set them each up to be comfortable for me. And I used to see that just in racing BMX because there'd be guys who and girls who you know, there's a 20 inch and a cruiser, a 20 and a 24, and they would do this with trying to get the bars the same level and the gear ratios to feel exactly the same and it's kind of difficult to do that because the scales are different, even though they might not look the same. I like to hop on each bike and have it feel good. So for my Sentinel, I ride large. I have long arms. I'm six foot, but the large is, is plenty fine. And it's good for me. This new geometry kind of trend is good because in the past, like in the 90s, early 2000s, the, all, the, all the mountain bikes were on the small side. It was always cramped anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. I mean, as far as technology is concerned, it's interesting that like in a weird way, even though BMX is more simple for a minute there, the BMX bikes were more advanced than the mountain bikes were, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, they weren't reliable mountain bikes back then. They just weren't. I mean, square spindles and mm-hmm. I know you had shifting and stuff like that, but even simple stuff, it's like you probably don't want a square spindle when you're hitting a 30 foot jump. Yeah. 
but not many mountain bikers were hitting 30 foot jumps then. Not at all. But we were. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so it's so funny because so many people that we interact with and a lot of students, you know, they say back when I used to do BMX and then I got into mountain biking mm-hmm. because mountain biking now is a great way in to what BMX was to them back in say the seventies, the eighties or the nineties. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny that you say bike setup. I actually don't like super, super wide bars. Mm-hmm. I run my bars about 780, 790 mils, yeah. which yeah. is pretty normal. But you know, I tried out the whole 820 millimeter downhill bar And I don't know if it's the way that my arms are shaped, but I basically ride the same, what you see right here. If I have a rigid single speed bike, or if I have a dirt jumper or a trail bike, and even a downhill bike, Mm. sometimes I won't go any wider than that for some reason. It just feels right to me. Yeah. So my dirt jumper is really set up to be a BMX bike. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing gates with that. So I don't want it. I mean, if I'm just too wide, it's just rude to the people next to me on the gate. (laughs) Never thought about it that way. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, it's big. You know, BMX bike, where I'm going to go with inches, it's like 28 inches is kind of the max width. I'm going to kind of sneak it out a little bit. Although I can tell you that the elites in BMX are going narrower, which I personally don't like, but I don't race for a living, so who cares? And then with mountain biking, I'm between 780 and 800 on the trail bike, and then obviously on my DJ, it's, it's shorter. But I think that's kind of a body type thing too. Like mm-hmm. I, I have a broader shoulder thing and I have a long wingspan. So wider for me is kind of better. But when I see people on like when they're kind of looking like they're doing flies on their bike, that's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and also too, you, you want to be mindful that if you're going wider, you're getting lower. If you're getting narrow, you're getting taller. So again, you know, comfort setup. I love bike setup stuff, but I'm just fortunate that I know what is good for me. It takes experimentation and trying different things out. I think when I was getting into mountain biking as well, a lot of it was my friends looking at me going, you're going to ride it like that? And then Mm -hmm. (laughs) I said, what do you mean? And then they would explain how they did it and I'd try it out and immediately like it or or something like that. So yeah, the bars are a big one. I got actually a quick funny story. I was at a race once and I was on my transition bank and that bike rips. So much fun, nice. right? Yeah, so I had the green Industry 9 wheels, a single se- a single speed wheel set. Yeah, so usually you have the spokes come in to make room for the cassette, yeah. right? There's a dish. Yeah, yeah, the dish. So there's no dish on those guys. It was just like a V. And that rear yeah, wheel... strong wheel. The rear wheel was strong before. They make great wheels, but then mm-hmm. it, it was just amazingly snappy and had the thing dialed. And I was actually running my fork at about... I think it was... Um, it was a Fox 36 that I had increased the travel to five inches because I'm so tall. I go over the bars if I try to get too aggressive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I just raised it up. I didn't have a super long steer tube to, to add spacers under. And so I had this like nine-year-old kid come up to me at the race and he's like, you're doing it wrong, man. And I was just like, okay. <laughs> I was like, that's funny. You know, I'll take it. I'll take it. So I ended up still crashing that day. It was fun. The track was just so tight and I wasn't on point. So we had we had a good day that day. I got told off by a nine year old. Always a good day. That's good. Yeah. That's but it doesn't good. matter what the bike setup. That's pretty cool. I felt good on it, and that's all that matters. So that's good stuff. So love chatting about bike setup. We could go on for hours about that. I know. Yeah. It's all fun. Now here's the thing. I know we probably are going to have multiple episodes. So we won't try to cram too much in here. And I would like to pause and ask you a question. Like, 
in terms of what you do right now, tell us a little bit of just some of the projects you work on or maybe some of the things that you've focused on now today. It could be with clients. It could be just with writing, any particular goals you're going through. What's Jason up to these days? So right now, this moment, I have what could be a sprained thumb, what might be a slight tear in a ligament. So that's like my big thing from a riding standpoint. Mm-hmm. I can still ride actually, but probably it's not the best idea. So nursing my thumb back into full riding condition. Professionally, there's several things I do. I work with clients, so coaching clients, and usually they're athletes or you know, hard charging professionals, mm-hmm. executive types or entrepreneurs. And then the speaking, you know, since the shutdown, speaking in events is not quite um, <laughs> what it used to be, which is fine. So really I've gotten into, you know, from a occupying my brain standpoint, I've actually gotten really into working on bikes. I, I was headed that direction anyway, but I, I learned how to build and true wheels. And so I'm kind of, I'm refurbing an old race bike that I used to have back in the nineties that my friend had that I didn't know he had it. So doing things like that to occupy myself, but professionally, yeah, still working with clients. Uh, we, I working with a, a few BMXers that are Olympic bound. So that's been put on hold. So that's kind of an interesting space to be in. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of mountain bikers as well. So they're going to be heading overseas. I I guess if the schedule goes as planned and I think September, October. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty gnarly because they have a, a really condensed season with back-to-back races, Yeah, which is perfect. Cause I was like, Oh, that's like a BMX season. Let's go. <laughs> you know, this is good. Repeated efforts showing up the next day and racing back to back. That's new to mountain biking. So just doing my best to service my clients and make sure that they're ready to hit the ground running if they're on hold or if they're not on hold, then to make sure that they're navigating this, whatever this is smartly and being productive Mm -hmm. and uh, healthy in the process. Uh, You mentioned that helping them navigate the process. Have you noticed any particular principles or things around mindset that you've been able to double down into to help them through uh, a difference in schedule because I mean, you know, the rhythm of race season when they're not able to ride that rhythm like they used to. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious if there are any differences there. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. So, depending on where someone is in their career, that's also a thing. But I have this, uh, I don't want to say it's a theory, it's really just a, I'd say it's an edict of sorts. But my thing is stay ready. Preparation and readiness are not the same thing. So stay ready. So it's kind of, so I'm a speaker, right? Mm-hmm. I can go on stage and do the thing. And it's like, all right, if I was on vacation and walking through the hotel on vacation and there's a convention going on, could I go on that stage and do my thing and be, you know, somewhat effective with that crowd, you know, on a moment's notice? Mm. And my answer is yes. And so as an athlete, if you had to on a moment's notice, you're, you're on the same vacation. And someone says, Hey, Greg Menard happens to be here. <laughs> That's a fun <laughs> scenario. I got $10,000 that says you can't beat him. Can you get yourself together and be up for that kind of performance? Mm-hmm. The point is, are you ready to go? Yeah. Because you might not be prepared. Matter of fact, a lot of times you're not prepared when it's actually time to go. That's why it's important to be ready. Right. Yeah. So that's my thing is be ready. So now that there's this big pause and moment of unknown, a lot of people handle that differently. 
So for some athletes, it's like, oh, wow, I got a little breathing room. This year didn't start off that great anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. And so for some athletes where they were, and I can tell you in the BMX space, the people that were supposed to be going fast were going fast at the beginning of the year, Olympic year. So the thing is like, okay, how can I maintain and or make gains during this kind of down period? You know, the big worry is, am I going to be as pipey or as fast or as strong or as on point? You know, there was one guy, I don't work with him, but there's one guy who, I mean, literally, this literally was his last year. It was like a countdown oh, to wow. the Olympics for him. So now it's like, <laughs> uh, let's just throw that stone out another 12 months. So there's that. With the younger crowd, I've noticed that, and I like data, I like science. I do believe science exists, but I, I'm finding that, you know, they came up in a different time than I did, or even people five years ahead of them did. And so I think sometimes they're looking to a lot of externals too much to dictate how they think they're going to do or to predict how they're going to do. I would even say that's a lot. That's the case for a lot of professionals too. They look to these external things to like predict success. Yeah, there's a piece of that. But, you know, like I always, I always ask this question. It's like, how many wins did you get before you got your first win? And then the next question is, has there ever been anything that you've not gotten through? Wow. So from that vantage point, we can leave space to win. I mean, and and I say that because as a person who went to his first world championships and made both finals and won a final, I say that because now, you know, the mentality has changed. It's like, oh, well, you don't have this time or you're not lifting this much weight or you didn't get this personal best or your oxygen, blood oxygen, blah, blah, blah is whatever. So that means it's like, well, guess what? You're still racing tomorrow. Yeah. Are you ready or not? So if we're looking to all these external things to like tell us that we're ready. It's going to be a roller coaster ride of a career. So at some point, you want to look within yourself and say, okay, regardless of what's actually going on, right? I might be sick. I might not be my strongest. I might not have the numbers I want. Yeah. Can I still go out there? And put on a good show. Can I still go out there and get on the podium? My opinion is yes. Of course, you know, proficiency according to each person's proficiency. But if not, then why are you there? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like just going to the Olympics is not enough. Like, just being there is not enough. Yeah. Like, I never raced the world championships as a vet pro. I never raced the world championships as in BMX, as or they call it challenge. I, like, because I know I want to win if I go. And I don't know if I'm up for that emotional investment. Seriously, because like being like just going there and being part of it, it might be enough for you, but it ain't enough for me. It's an interesting concept. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it'll be enough for you 10 years down the road or when you're done and you're talking to your grandchildren, then, hey, yeah, I was there. Great. But the truth is, I'm going to let you know, like I went to many world championships, made many finals, only won one, but, (laughs) you know, living with that, I shouldn't say living with that because I've moved on well, but my point is if, if, during mm-hmm. that time, it wasn't enough to come up short. It wasn't enough to not get on the podium. It wasn't enough to be there. Yeah. So it's almost like this willing investment of your identity into an external result mm-hmm. where there's massive risk. You're allowing it to mean a lot to you if you were to lose. So I think that's fascinating. And there's at least seven concepts packed in there we can, we could dive into. Yeah, I kind of was like, boom, I just... I just put it all in there. Well, the thing is, you know, we got philosophy degree on your side and mine. So we could do this all day long, which I love. 
there is one idea though I'd like to ask you about if that's all right. You could ask me anything. Well, I'll tell a quick story in the last question. So I worked with companies before this. This is companies that are you know out there selling a product or a service. And you know, one of my friends who still does that, he basically had multiple companies double or triple their business in the past couple months. And that was the same question that they asked, you know, hey, well, since we're not prepared for this virus thing, how can we still perform with the readiness that we do have? And it goes back to the, you know, these questions that you're asking, all of them are questions. And so I've heard it said before that the quality of your answer, the quality of the outcome is determined by the quality of your questions. Mm -hmm. Now you might have an entire lifetime of studying things and asking the questions, or maybe you've come up with them yourself. But let's say that maybe someone's a little bit newer to these concepts. Where would they go or what's a good resource to start learning good questions to ask so that they can get good performance out of what they want in their life? Where's a good starting point? Definitely a coach. We work with somebody. Why do you say that? Obviously, you're a coach and you've got some insight there. (laughs) Be biased. It's good. (laughs) Yeah, I'm biased. Hire me. No, we're all biased, right? But you don't know what you don't know. And we beat ourselves up for not knowing stuff we don't know, which is like, you know, beat yourself up when you do know better and you make the wrong choice, right? <laughs> like, but don't beat yourself up over something you don't know. That said, find someone who can ask you those questions. Mm. And if it's not a person, then start reading, then start listening, podcasts, books. You know, it's interesting, you know, when I got into the psychology game, mm-hmm. I approached it from a business standpoint. Because I was learning psychology and as part of keeping a license, you get your CEUs and all that other stuff. So it's like, all right, well, what's really going to help me look at this from a different vantage point, right? Help me be a fly on the wall. And it was because I had a business degree that I was able to say, oh, I can market myself this way. Or, oh, I can help these people or work with these people. And oh, you know, a lot of marketing books or business books are based on human behavior and based on psychology. So I was applying it from that standpoint into a clinical setting. I'm not in a clinical setting anymore, but my point is it allowed me to be effective and grow quicker. And it also forced me to ask questions that I didn't have and think about things that I didn't know. So definitely, you know, whether it's mentorship or coaching or reading or books, like definitely you want to be getting not just opinions. You want to allow your brain to work (laughs) the way it's supposed to, right? So if you can expose yourself to those different ideas, we'll call them, or concepts, then you will formulate your own questions if they're not being asked by the actual coach or mentor. If that person really does have your best interest or success, a vested interest in that, they will ask you those hard questions. Yeah. And that's something we notice too with our students that we work with. Obviously, we focus on creating movement patterns. It's not just mobility, it's movement. Movement is the foundation to essentially a decent life, even if you're not an athlete. And we found that there are kind of two things mirroring what you just said, which is number one, awareness. Where are you? Where do you want to go? And what are you doing? Mm-hmm and the results you're getting now. So that's kind of that awareness. And then the second part is feedback. And that's kind of what you were saying too. It's the ability to hear from someone else, oh, you're actually really doing it this way, or here's a better way, here's a better question to ask. Mm-hmm. And you know, kind of wrapping up that last idea, it's a great segue into the book and the, one of the concepts in there 
the book again, it's all BS. We're all wrong and you're all right. It's a fun title. So um, could you tell? BS stands for belief system. That was my question. Yeah. So <laughs> what yeah. does it stand for? So tell us, okay, so, and again, I know that probably quite a good bit of our listeners today are aware. I mean, there's a, actually a lot more awareness today around what our belief systems for sure. And I think that that's a more common thing nowadays, Mm -hmm. but uh, let's just, you know, get the definition on the table. When someone says to you, my belief system is in, in your words, Jason, what does that mean? Could you describe that to us? Well, I think there's a lot of people, there are some, I don't know. uh, Yeah. I'll say easy. There's some easy ones to say, right? I believe in Jesus. I believe in, and I'm not saying that in a judgmental way. Like that's, they know they do believe in that. Great. Um, I believe in justice. Great. Understood. So, so I'm not, I'm not necessarily questioning your beliefs. I'm asking you to recognize the beliefs you have that you don't, you don't necessarily realize are there. Um, Hmm, or to admit the ones that you're, you're scared to, uh, yeah. So, so the belief, so that's the interesting thing is we, our brain makes these leaps because it doesn't all, it doesn't always have all the information it needs. This is a perfect time for this, right? Um, with this, with COVID, right? Um, you know, c- conspiracy theories are abound. And whether you believe them or not, I would actually argue mm-hmm. that some of that stuff seems plausible. Right. Um, but it's interesting if you if you can look at both sides to a thing, it's like, you know, both seem plausible because you don't you don't know. Right. You don't know what you don't know. You don't have all the answers. And so your brain's like, oh, this, you know, this makes sense. This makes sense. This mm-hmm. makes sense. And then it'll start filling in the gaps. It'll start making some leaps. It's the same reason why, you know baseball player has to wear their pink That's underwear so on the first baseball day players, right? They're, they're not the right? most superstitious like, out there. They're it has no by far the most superstitious athletes. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, but that, that leap, right? Oh, well I, the, I play, I remember I wore these and I hit a home run. So all of a sudden the, your underwear somehow becomes responsible for your, responsible for, for a lot your, of fun beliefs. Yeah. For how you play. Um, but that's, but, mm-hmm. but that's the brain think filling in the blanks. And don't get me wrong. If, if, if we want to go to go to the store and get you a bunch of pink underwear before you go to go to the game. Great. Let's do that. You feel better about it. Um, but it's rare that someone says, you know, well, let me back up beliefs. So we have beliefs about ourselves, others and the world, right? So it's the, it's it's the I am, it's the they are, and it's the this is. And when I say world, it's like this is, right? You can go to a race and it's like, oh, this race sucks. This mm-hmm. track sucks. Um, yeah, like I'm good at riding in the rain. Um, Whether it's true or not. I, I, always, wa- I always wash out in right-hand corners when I'm running Max's exactly. Minions. Exactly. <laughs> now you're getting it. Now you're getting it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So you. So this is where that stuff creeps in. And this is how it affects the chain of events, right? And the chain of events is the belief, the feeling, the action, the result. You have a belief, you have a feeling, you do something, 
and then you get a result. And usually we can trace that back to some belief, some belief about yourself, others of the world that led to that result. And it might be a benign belief, it might be, but it might be something that's going to cut to the core of why you're losing or winning. We found when working with students that their biggest victories and successes come when they know their starting point and they have a definitive goal in mind. Now, it could be, you know, I want to show my kids how mountain biking is just as cool or cooler than Nintendo, and I want to actually model it for them. So in other words, there's someone who's stuck with shoulder pain or back pain Mm -hmm. because they've worked for 20 years and haven't really kept up with maintaining their body. Mm -hmm. And their belief or their desire drives a new attitude and it causes them to seek out an action. Mm -hmm. Now, when they reach out to us and have us guide them through what, you know, the four things you mentioned, belief, feeling, action, and result. Mm -hmm. The reason we choose to focus so much on the movement patterns is because you can train them Mm -hmm. and it brings an awareness of frankly, all four at once. Eventually Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. not something that most people Here's my belief. Here's how I feel about it. Here's what I'm doing. No, and here's what I'm getting from it. It's a quick chain of events. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a quick it's chain like, of events. It's like flipping a switch on a light. Right. So, so we found that by focusing on building the correct movement patterns and focusing on engaging proper muscles and just keeping it really simple, someone who's been stuck with back pain or shoulder pain for 20 years you know, they're a welder or they're a mm-hmm. police officer and they're, you know, that's their day job. That's their superhero day job. Mm-hmm. But then when they go to ride, they can't get as much out of it. And obviously it's more than a hobby to them. It's like, this is their way in to adventure. Mm-hmm. So I'm just kind of curious, let's tie together an idea we talked about earlier, which is just the transformation or the breakthroughs around beliefs, you know, mm-hmm. belief about the self, what's possible. And again, we focus on the body and the mobility and the motion of the body. Mm-hmm. And you tend to focus, it sounds a little bit more on, you know, the mindset. Mm -hmm. So maybe walk us through what's it like to, or maybe a story of someone who's had a pretty good transformation where they didn't believe something was possible. And then they practiced on a new belief system and ended up achieving something. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you have a few of those results. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Like think of something like that. We kind of do the same thing. You said mobility. I do that as well because of that chain of events it's hard to change your belief especially if you don't know it's there you know it's hard to just believe that the sky's not up and the ground's not down right i'm not saying it's not possible but it's hard and your feelings those are hard to change too someone you're walking down the street someone punches you in the face you're gonna feel away i don't care if someone steals from you that's probably never gonna feel good Right. You might be able to talk yourself into being more empathetic and though maybe that person needed it or maybe they're struggling or maybe they're just an idiot or whatever. But you're still bummed that whatever someone went into your house and something's missing. And then the result is the result, which is changeable depending on what you do. Right. So I want people to get moving, too. It's what I change and help them change is their thinking. What I help them change is their words. What I help them change is their actions as well in the world, right? So I have one client and she's very uh, open about the fact that we work together. She's a freestyler and she dealt with almost crippling anxiety to the point to where like not even able to go to doctor's appointments 
the parents invested in a little van, converted our van into like a little RV so that they could go to these riding spots and she, you know, have her own kind of facilities and everything like that. But she wanted to ride and she wanted to compete. And we've worked together since she's in, been in high school and she's since graduated. But since then, you know, I remember like creating a plan to get her to get on an airplane to actually go to an event. Wow. Now she's ranked, I don't know, four or six in the world and is Olympic bound. It's not bad. And has since moved out and is like currently like house shopping and is currently. So belief went from, I can't leave the house unless I have my RV. It changed. But it wasn't like I said, hey, just believe this. <laughs> there was there was some action steps, right? There was some action steps that we did. And by the way, there was a pretty strong carrot that we put in front of her to force the action, right? right? To force the exposure to the thing that she was avoiding. So I think I mentioned to this to you before, but my friend, Greg Frederick, he's also a rider. We do some trainings together. He always says that purpose drives resilience. Purpose drives resilience. Yeah. So if you have the purpose or a purpose, the more purpose you have with a thing, the more resiliency you tend to have, especially Mm -hmm. towards moving to that thing. Right. So had this person not wanted to compete, and I'm not even saying at a high level, just like compete or go to different skate parks and ride or whatever it may be, the resiliency there, right, to actually get out of the house or to get on the plane or to, you know, to deal with those fears along the way, it would have been much harder to get at. Mm -hmm. So I'm all about getting people moving as well. Because of all that chain of events, belief, feelings, action, results, the most simplest thing for you to work on is literally to do something different. How so? Well, Again, it's hard to change your feelings about a thing or your actions. So maybe your house is broken into two or three times. Okay. Hey, I'm not asking you to feel good about it. <laughs> I'm not even asking you to believe that some people aren't criminals. Okay. But I'll probably ask you, hey, they broke in the first time. What'd you do? Well, I, I put it in the security system and called the police. Oh, they broke in a second time. What'd you do? I called the police. They broke in a third time. Oh, what'd you do? I called the police. Hey, what do you think you could do this time? That's not so it's something you did the first time that might keep that person from breaking it. Right? Now they got a question. Right? And the thing about questions are, it's not me. I didn't make this up. The thing about questions are questions, especially hard ones or provocative ones or ones that force a person to think about something. It's not necessarily that I'm looking for the right answer. It's that it forces you to stop. It's a pattern interrupt. It forces you to think about something in in a different way. So what are you going to do different that you haven't done before? I'm going to build a moat. Okay, that might work. I'm going to buy alligators. I'm going to get a dog. I'm going to, well, I'm going to buy a gun. I'm Whatever. I'm not, it's not a judgy, judgy thing. It's just. Now you're in creation. It's a, it's a creation. Now we're in creation mm-hmm. mode. Now we're in creation mode. I'm going to move. How about that? Create a new life somewhere else. <laughs> I'm going to sue the police force for such terrible work, right? I don't know. But the point is, we're going to get different results at the end of this. Yeah. So, and it's almost like when you get older 
and you have more and more experience. And I think about it this way, because a pattern interrupt, I've been coaching people around that kind of thing for actually quite a bit. And what I've noticed is that people, all of us, we have, once we hit age five and we start remembering things, then we start building those beliefs. And the longer we go on in life and the more experiences we have, the more we get stuck in our ways. Is that a bad thing? Is it a good thing? No idea to know until you ask that question, what is the result that I'm getting out of this belief and the action I'm taking as a result? So for me, I know I'll tell a quick story about me. For me, I was very upset, righteously upset that I wasn't achieving my goal of writing. I don't have a rainbow jersey. I probably won't ever have a rainbow jersey. I'm, I'm a little bit less of a racer computer as, as much as a, as a creator. I'm a more creative person. So I tend to gravitate more towards a free ride and like mm-hmm. go have fun with friends kind of stuff. But I wasn't riding and I wasn't improving. And every time I woke up in the morning, I would immediately get into an anger state of mind. And it was good because it got me to, I don't think anyone makes decisions from being passive. It mm-hmm. just doesn't happen. You have to have an external or an internal reason to mm-hmm. change. And so I was I was all fired up, but I had no direction because I was asking the wrong questions. Why is this so difficult? Why can't I just ride? You know, why couldn't I have been I lost a family member? I had to step in and, you know, pay for my own college. Why I wasn't asking why is this happening to me? I wasn't quite that negative, but <laughs> you were getting there. I was on the way. And so what ended up happening was that I was tasting what it was like to have a midlife crisis at 55 at 27, 25 years old. I had back pain. I could barely lift my right arm up. So I was having some physical issues too. And I just looked back at the questions I was asking and you know, people kept breaking into my house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> metaphorically. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I took that job and it was a great job. It would have been great for someone with those goals, but I wasn't mature enough to make the most of it. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up maybe making the money, but I didn't make the riding progress. I didn't make it out of the trails enough because I was so stressed out that I didn't make the plans to make the extra money so that I could afford those nice pads so that I could feel good about mm-hmm. going to the trails and went on and on. And, and I was just making up these reasons. It was, I was making it more complex than I needed to be. And all I had to do was say, well, if Elon Musk wanted to be a professional mountain biker and Dave is Elon Musk in this situation, mm-hmm. how would he do it? And, um, and so it's really, really cool to hear you talking about it um, from a perspective of like, well, what's going to happen if someone breaks in your house? Not once, not twice, but three times. What could you change? Mm-hmm. And as soon as I started asking what's possible, what do I really want and what do I want to what do I want to feel about it? Mm-hmm. Then I started, I started riding my bike and I started enjoying it and I started getting the results that I wanted. And I wasn't even riding that much. Right. I still, I mean, I've got two kids and I renovated my own house mm-hmm. and that was a priority for me. But I was asking, what if I had a fully renovated bathroom? My wife was proud of it. My kids have like a full-time dad mm-hmm. and I got to feel proud about my riding progress. And that was a little bit more vague because I'm like, well, I don't, I don't necessarily want to have a race and like win it, but no, that's beautiful because that's what I call championship life, right? Like, trust me, as much as I talk about getting, you know, if we're going to go to the Olympics, let's, yeah. let's get a medal. I'm also just as much about what's so fulfilling about that yeah. piece of hardware. You know, what are you getting out of it? What are you going to do with it? Yeah. What would be possible if you had that? Uh, opportunity and one, that that kind of question. Right. So the other thing is, you know, one of the reasons why I think 
in my race career was successful and is because I, aside from consistency, but at least, I know, at least on a world stage, I embraced the fact that it was bigger than me. And I took that on. Mm-hmm. And so for me, yeah, it was about me, but it was also about more than me, right? It was like, I'm not saying like a legacy thing, or, but I mean, there's so many people that, that literally can't do or don't have the opportunity to do. I get that. I'm not, my head's not in the clouds on this stuff. These kinds of things are for them, right? Like really, like I can go back and tell this story and inspire someone to to change their life or change their world. Right. Like at the end of the day, I'm just a kid from New Jersey. Like, you know, LeBron James, just a kid from Ohio. Michael Jordan was just a kid from North Carolina. Like that's the thing. Everyone talking about in my next book I'm writing, but, but that's the thing. Like I'm not like you and I'm exactly like you at the same time. But if you can design your life, right, and maybe sports is a part of it, maybe it's art, maybe it's family, whatever it is, if you can design this thing out and move toward creating that design, boom, okay, now we're talking. Now you're in a place of power. Now you're in a place of more control, at least of yourself. And now you're going to build the person you want to be. Yeah. And this is so different from just having a positive mindset. I'm not against having a positive mindset, but tell me, and you know, with your wisdom, I'm using that word intentionally, um, with your wisdom around the concept of really just building your life, where can someone transition from just being positive about something to that creation mode that this is what I desire. This is what's important to me. How can I get it? Mm-hmm. Where do you find is some maybe a good question around that that you've used yourself? Are you living the life you want or someone the life someone else wants you to live? That's a good one. That's one question. And I think that's pretty universal to trust fund kid to kid trying to get out of the ghetto. Yeah, that's awesome. Here's the thing too. I kind of like how you said, you know, let me bring the elite athlete down to earth because at the end of the day, there is part of no matter if you're at the very top of performance or someone's struggling, there's still that humanity that's there that we're talking about, right? So talk some more about that if you can. When someone is, uh, like, for example, I think that the fellow who started like my pillow, I forgot his name, I'll have to look that up, but he's a really doing really well. He's an entrepreneur. I think that his moment where he was trying to drive his life forward and was not getting there. He was on the streets on uh, some kind of an overdose. And now he's mm-hmm. you know, doing pretty well with his life and not just his business, but doing well in other aspects too. At that moment when he was on the street or maybe there was, um, I'm trying to think of another one too. And kind of like I was telling you with me before, like there were definitely some moments mm-hmm. when looking back, I'm going like, man, how did, how did my wife stick with me through that? <laughs> so, you know, I gotta, I'm lucky, but that whole concept of, you know, I'm just a human being. Let's say that someone listening to this podcast is listening. I mean, like talk about these concepts. I mean, designing your life, mm-hmm. having a purpose and going for it. They might not even feel like they're either. It's, they might not feel like they're worthy of it, or maybe they're so far gone that they wouldn't even know where to start to feel that momentum. How do you coach mm-hmm. someone to get the momentum? Start? I know you work with a lot of people who are already doing well, getting them to that. Yeah. So, you know, look, I think I know where you're going. Cause yeah, they seem like they're really big, ethereal, 
out there kind of concepts. And as quick as things can go bad, they actually can go good. I'll prove it. I'm on this podcast because, well, ultimately, if I go back, posted something the other day, I said, be good at something. Very good. It will give you privilege and advantage. Because here's what happens. If you're good at something, you're noticed and you're rewarded for it and also given more opportunity. Mm -hmm. And then with more opportunity and you're still good at that something, comes more opportunity, more opportunity, more opportunity, right? If things are going bad and then you get down, right? You get down or you get anxious or depressed and then maybe you pick up some bad habits. Forget even drinking, sitting around, not going for a walk outside, staying inside, not hanging out with people, isolating, right? Then maybe you start smoking Mm -hmm. or drinking or worse, right? They go bad pretty quickly, precipitously. And by the way, like that could happen at any price point, right? So I'm not talking about money here, but my point is it's not that far out there. I'm a kid from New Jersey. And I say this as a kid from New Jersey, because my dad lived in Las Vegas. And when I went to what I would visit him, I was always, I always marveled at, well, one it's Vegas, right? So there's like lights and, but I always marveled at the different headspace people were in, right? New Jersey. And I love New Jersey, but it seemed like there was this kind of a little, it was more traditional, but it was also a little bit more locked in, I would say. And on the West coast, it was, it was the wild, wild west. I mean, it was like, Hey, anything is possible. Yeah. It really did seem that way. And the, and they were building things and there was new and there was like, well, let's try this and let's try that. And then, oh my gosh, you go over to California, one more state over. It was even more like, wow. But people like you and I are not that different, really. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like we have all the parts and stuff. You have, you have different upbringing and background, whatever, but really like, so I just think that we get locked into the way we think it's supposed to be yeah, versus what we want. And then we're also told that doing what we want is selfish. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and by the way, it can be, but it doesn't have to be right. It doesn't have to be because I got to tell you, like, and I'm going to go like the clinical side. Like when I was in the clinical world, hearing the story of the grumpy dad or the over the stressed out mom or the whatever it is like and how ungrateful the family is because they don't appreciate all that they do for them it's like i think you staying in your comfort zone is just as selfish like why wouldn't you want your children or your wife to see you shine yeah and so there's honor in taking care of being responsible there is and i want you to be right but there's no i'm sorry like and i say my mom's from pakistan but there's no honor in martyrdom like, honestly, like the last thing this world needs is, is, is another martyr, right? Especially because it's like, mm-hmm. there's so much, there's, and it's so crazy because there's such a dopamine hit, boom, when, when people go into that victim role, right? Yeah. Boy, you must really be important if nothing can solve your problems. Boy, you just give, 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 and the world sucks for you. It's like, come on. Yeah. It tends to be with a certain personality type that struggles with that a little bit more too. It's like mm-hmm. people that value being part of the community. Uh, teachers, a lot of times, even engineers, they're just very loyal to the group. Not, it's mm-hmm. not a bad trait, but if it goes too far, then it can be harmful. And that's great. That's great. But but my point is, you could be loyal. You can be loyal to the group mm-hmm. and still pursue the life you want. Exactly. It's an and, right? Not an or. Right. I'm not saying I'm not. It's not an either or. I mean, you know, like I, 
I say, if your passion doesn't pay, then do something to pay for your passion. That's a good one too. And I feel like that would resonate a lot too with the guys and gals here because for a lot of people, a, a passion in mountain biking, again, it's not just an escape, it's a way in. And it's why Harley Davidson makes so much uh, success or use, I don't know their numbers, but I think it was the CEO of Harley Davidson got up in front of everybody and said, you know, what is it? What do we do? And they go, oh, we make motorcycling. He's like, wrong. <laughs> what do we do? And uh, no one could figure it out. And he said, we make grown men feel like a kid and feel like a badass mm-hmm. all at the same time. And I'm yeah. like, okay. So this idea of leader versus martyr, a leadership, a self-leadership is stepping into a potential of something you value. And so the concept of feeling like a kid and feeling like a rock star at the same time, that's useful. But I prefer not just buy a motorcycle if you want that. That's cool. I prefer to create the life that makes me proud that makes me feel the same way. Mm -hmm. And, And that's part of the reason why I started the work that I do. And that's why it's so valuable <laughs> to our students because they go, of course, I'm getting better at mountain biking, but but mountain biking is my way in. And it's how I show up at the end of a day after work, after a ride, I come home to my wife and kids and the person that walks through the door, I'm proud of him. Yeah. But what's happening physiologically when you're learning something? Mm. What's happening physiologically, mentally, emotionally, when not only are you learning something, gaining some level of competency, dare I say, like moving towards proficiency into mastery. Mm -hmm. And then you walk around with that in your back pocket. Yeah. There's so many intangibles there. (laughs) There's so so many intangibles there, but we all know, I think at a core level, like how that adds to the quality of your life and how that builds. Even with my own kids, it's like, I want them to ride, of course, selfishly. But really, the goal was jump a double, take off on a lip and land purposely on a landing. Do that. And I felt like you could make a fair decision (laughs) about riding there because Bruce Lee says it best. When he teaches someone to fight, it's not that he's teaching them to fight or defend themselves. He's really teaching them like how to express themselves. And that's how I feel about riding, even racing. It's an expression of who you are. And there's so many chances we get to do that in the world, but we really don't. I was going to say there's not many chances we get to do that, but really you get to do that every time. You get to do that at work. You get to do it at the house. You get to do that. But I I get there's social stuff. There's etiquette. There's all kinds of reasons. But when you're out there riding, you can let it fly or at least learn to let it fly, right? Yeah, it's about the journey sometimes too, for sure. Yeah. So I think that level of not confidence that's too easy. Mm Self-assuredness is really valuable for people. And I think we all need that, whether it's riding or Taekwondo or painting flowers. Right. But that expression of self. And and if you think about the way our system's designed, where we go to school and we're basically out of compliance and out of logistics, like sit down, get in line, raise your hand. Like, like it's just squash, 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 squash. You can't have expressed the need to pee without raising your hand and asking for permission. Right. Right. So I understand social etiquette and being polite and manners. I do. Right. But I also, from a human behavior brain standpoint, can't deny that that doesn't have some effect on us and what we take into the world. Mm -hmm. Right. 
So I, and by the way, I'm not asking you to be like, you know, some hippie free surfer chasing summer person living on couches. I'm not asking for that. I'm just saying let's unlock like a couple more percentages here and there. You'll unlock the rest. Yeah. You'll know how much more you want. Yeah. It's like when I was building, uh, I was working on my track in the backyard, my, my training ground is sounds Mm -hmm. more official that way. And I had no reason to be upset. I was using a mattock to splice through some gnarly roots so that I could build Mm -hmm. just the nastiest berm. And I was so, I was in a good spot, but I was getting upset at my kids because they were constantly saying, dad, dad, dad. And then they were like literally messing things up as I hadn't packed some stuff down Mm -hmm. and I caught myself getting really upset at them. And I realized that I had forgotten that presence, that awareness around my, like use the word self-assured. If I were self-assured that I was on my path and I was expressing my ability to build an awesome track and go out and ride it, if I had remembered that, then there's no way I would have been upset at my kids. It's like, who who are you to get upset at your kids that they're playing and being four and two years old? Mm-hmm. And so for me, at least, at least me personally, I've noticed that when I've forgotten these things, there's actually a huge cost to it. Cause I can't imagine, I'm sure that my kids remember that. I remember when my parents would get upset or if they, you know, weren't, weren't my parents weren't perfect. Sorry, mom. Sorry, dad. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like, <laughs> but at the same time, it's a useful tool for, you know, being able to check in as well to say, hey, am I enjoying this process? Am I becoming the... I know we're getting kind of deep here, but mm-hmm. I mean, that is, if not one of the most important things, probably the most important thing about life, that expression of self. And mm-hmm. here I am with a shovel in hand getting mad at my kids for no good reason. <laughs> at least you didn't hit them with the shovel. I did not hit them with the shovel. So I'm very proud good. about that. Didn't even you come close. I haven't ever done that, but they throw dirt on each other and it's it's hilarious. because They probably would have thought you were playing. But my youngest, he eats yeah. the dirt. He, he's like, dote, yeah. dote, dote. Just to kind of bring this back. And what happens, I think, mm-hmm. is are you living your life in alignment with what your values are? And by the way, recognizing that some of those may change as you go through life and Mm -hmm. experience stuff and learn more and become more. But if the answer is no, then well, okay, well then what are we doing about it? I used to do weight loss groups. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is psychological. I know there's calories in calories out exercise, blah, blah, blah. Pick your favorite diet, favorite eating plan of the, of the decade or every five years. But I just let them know. It's like, Hey, there's plenty of fat, happy people. If you want to lose weight because you want to do that and that's what you want and because you do want to take care of those health issues and you do want to be able to run and you do want to, great. Yeah. But if you're kind of good with who you are, why are you beating yourself up over this other thing? I mean, hey, I mean, recognize too, like that if you are of a certain weight, it will come with its own responsibility, which is recognizing that, okay, my knees are going to hurt. Yeah. Or it's going to be hard for me to run around. And if you're good with that, then save yourself the energy and work on something else. Really? Yeah. Like really, I'm not, I'm not saying like you have to do this. You have to do that. Plenty of fat, happy people. Talk about a balanced viewpoint that next to the Olympic, you know, not enough to go and (laughs) not enough to just go and get second, man. But it's, it's almost like you have to hold metal. Okay. Okay. I said metal. I said, if we're going to go, first of all, I want to be very clear. It is enough to go. 
But going in, it's not enough to just be there. Does that make sense? Yes. Try to say that in like, some different words because that's got a lot of really impactful. Right. Uh, so yeah. so you go, right? You go, you race, you put it all out there. You put all of who you are out there for all the reasons you know to be true and within your heart and soul and mind and all that other stuff. Yeah. You get fourth. Okay. And I know that's going to sting a little. And by the way, fourth sucks at the <laughs> i heard it was second that hurt the worst what is your uh and second sucks too yeah but it depends because but usually yeah <laughs> it's so funny and third is like yeah anyway third's gotta feel decent right gotta right. feel decent you'll still end up sleeping okay with a medal but my point is <laughs> it's going into there going in it's not enough like you like going into the olympics you don't want to be a tourist that's my point yeah because you can buy a ticket and go there and watch an event and have a great time and all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. That's my point. Yeah. So the, I mean, I'm not, I, I'll never say, you know, if you did your, I'm just saying when we go into a thing, let's really define what we want yeah. and go for it. The definition like, is important. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm here and I'm cool. And it's, it's, you know, I've made it. It's like, and by the way, it takes one to know one. Like I, there's plenty of times where I pulled the plug too early and I missed out on the thing that I really wanted. Mm -hmm. I was too scared to just to say, Nope, this is what I want. And this is what I'm going for to own that. And I shied away from that responsibility. We all struggle with that. That's just part of figuring yourself out. I think mm -hmm. that, that's like, what you're saying is almost like if I decided to qualify for rampage and I somehow got it because I got the right support. I managed not to get injured I uh, went to the qualifying event and did my probably would be my first 720. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> not like I'm doing that every day. Mm -hmm. um, if I were to go and do that, make it to the top of the hill, hear the wind, hear the wind die down, and they'd say, all right, rider number whatever, Dave dropping in. And then for me to just be like, all right, I'm just going to walk to the bottom. I would rather look back. I would rather crash. I hate saying that because I'm thinking of people that have been paralyzed out there. Mm -hmm. um, that I would rather be able to tell myself and to tell my kids, this is what it's like to get up at the top, have your head screaming at you, just go down, just, just quit. And then say, no, I'm, I'm dropping in and, uh, not for anyone else, but for me and to be able to say, this is what I'm committed to and I'm doing it. And, and, you know, having people watch, I've, I've had that happen before where people are watching and then you throw down a little harder. It just, it's, that's the juice. That's the fuel mm -hmm. and the fun mm -hmm. part, but the decision has to be there first, no matter what. I mean, I've had to make those decisions about making sure I slowed down and paid attention to, did I do the dishes? And it mm -hmm. made my quality of life way better because my wife was like, wow, thank you. That made, that means a lot. And it almost sounds silly, but it's the same muscle. You know, in my opinion. So I don't know yeah. what's your thought. So, you know, what that brought up, I was smiling because it brought up, you ever see the movie Blow? No, I need to go watch it now. Okay. So it's, it's a cocaine movie. Okay. I wouldn't have guessed. Johnny Depp. Okay. Johnny Depp. But anyways, there's a scene in the movie where he's kind of moving up in the ranks as a dealer. And so he goes to Columbia to meet the dude. <laughs> and then he gets off the plane. The dude. He gets off the plane. And he basically sees this guy get shot in the head. And then the guy says, okay, he's ready to see you now. And he's just like, and he just gathers himself. He's like, okay, F it. And he just, and he just charges in. I'm like, yes. And, <laughs> and I just, I love that. And I related to it so much because it's like, yes, now you're living. 
Like now, like that little piece of you saying effort and going anyway, that's where the credibility is, my friend. When you drop in, look, it's not that you want to fall and you wouldn't rather fall. It's just you're acknowledging that it may happen and you're willing to accept that consequence because this other thing is worth it or because this current thing is worth it. That's the deal. No one wants to fall. No one wants to get hurt. It's just worth it if it happens because of this other gain, right? And that's the deal. And it's going to be a little graphic here, but I think I think everyone should have an experience where they put their nuts on the chopping block. Yeah. <laughs> and I think riding does that. Yeah. I still get that out of riding. I still get that that's out of awesome. riding. And it's not like to make myself scared. I mean, because sometimes my challenge is okay. No brakes on this run. Sometimes my challenge is no pedals on this run. Sometimes my challenge is enter wide, exit soon. You know, like it's like all these little different things. I'm not necessarily racing down the mountain, but it's just these little things yeah. that I can do to see, to evidence some kind of mastery, to grow, to, to have fun, to mm-hmm. measure it. Yeah. And I think we're all made to do that too, to grow and to, and that's really when you lose it. It's not that you got to the top of the ladder and realized there's nothing up there. It's just that when we stop growing, when we stop desiring and going after something, like if there were no humans, there wouldn't be anything. It's like we, all the stuff that we've got is kind of made up in a way. And so that's why it's so important to create. That's why it's so important to decide and pick something and do it and say it's important to you. That's why it's so important to decide. And, you know, this whole concept just kind of goes back to leadership, Mm self-leadership and modeling what the idea or the concept or the action is for other people. And that's why I believe you're right when you say get a coach. So um, very good stuff. Um, Is there anything you'd like to add to any of these ideas? And we can kind of start wrapping up. No, I'd, I'd probably like to apologize because I get excited about talking about this stuff and I go probably deeper or further than I should on questions. So apologies for that. Viewing and listening public. You know, the bottom line is progression and growth is closely related to your happiness and fulfillment in mm-hmm. life. And if you're not learning or growing or progressing, chances are you're going to feel stuck. And if you feel stuck, then you're not going to be you're going to be grumpy or you're going to be dissatisfied. And don't get me wrong. I recognize mathematically there could be a there there. I mean, I have a cousin who very healthy, very happy. He's been offered a promotion at his place of work many times. He's like, nope, I like it right here. And I respect the hell out of him for that. It's like, dude, good for you. Like, yeah, you know, like there's just as much power in staying in here, but that's his true his choice. Like, that's his jam. Right. Yeah, and he knows yeah. he's got it dialed and he knows he can get home and he can unplug and he can watch the game and he can do whatever he does with his, with his, cause he's like one of those, like one of those things where they wear funny hats. But anyways, but like, you know, his lodge <laughs> or whatever. But my point is yeah. he's got, he's, he's like got a it. Buffalo hat. Yeah, whatever. Horns. But my point is like that. Okay, <laughs> cool. The issue I have is when people are living a life that's not, necessarily for them and by the way yeah include Mm -hmm. your family in it but like sit down and design it i mean it just there's so many ways to get this thing right and the beauty is like you get to choose what a lot of that right is a lot of it not all of it but a lot of it and if anything that this time in history is showing us right now is like we've been exposed (laughs) ha right (laughs) if you've not been exposed to the virus your business might have been exposed 
right? Your health might have been exposed yeah. if you have a pre-existing condition. Your lack of time that you've been spending with loved ones and now you're forced to spend with loved ones is exposed. Your relationships have been exposed because boom, like life has literally changed. But it also, there's a great power in that that lets you know that guess what? You're still here, right? And so what are you going to do? Like we are proving right now that life does not have to be lived the way it was. Yeah. So pick, like literally pick how you want to live and move toward that. And by the way, you get to pick the percentage of how much you want to move toward that. You get to pick the speed. But don't sit there and complain if you're not doing anything. Yeah. You can't choose both. <laughs> I mean, if you need to complain a little bit, Make it temporary and then move well, on. Well, hey, right? look, so. and I'm I'm <laughs> self recovering complainer, but um, mm -hmm. same. But you know, it's it's like being patient. It's good to be patient if you're actually working towards something. <laughs> right? That's the best quote I've but heard in a but it's, month it's or so, five. It's so it's so interesting. Like the people who lack the patience aren't necessarily working towards something. It's like really, so you're just waiting because oh, that's just waiting. Word. Yeah. That's funny. I love that quote. I'm going to have to write it down on my wall or, or something now and listen anyway, to it every day. So that's what I have, but follow me on Instagram at real Dr. J rich, uh, visit my website, DR Jason Richardson, Dr. Jason Richardson.com. Mm -hmm. If you're on Facebook, I'm easy to find there. And, uh, yeah, I would love to have a conversation with you. And if you are in a place of, uh, employ that could use some, fire <laughs> i'd come <laughs> i'd like to come light it up or, or do it virtually yeah. either way yeah it's fantastic so again if anyone wants to follow dr jason richardson it's at real dr j rich and uh, i'll include this in the show notes everybody as well uh, also include some notes from some of the main concepts that we covered. Is there anything else that you'd like to mention? Um, I know we talked about sponsors before. Um, any sponsors you want to mention or possibly any other things you're promoting right now that would be good for the audience to know about? Well, I know, so Transition, I'm a partner with them and <laughs> kind of a, a distance team rider, we'll say. I'm, I'm actually really honored to be part of that story and, and ride their bikes, but they have a raffle going on because there was a trans Cascadia race, oh, okay. but all the proceeds from that raffle go to a trail build. Oh, wow. So, and, and you have the option that. to win either the, their new Sentinel or new scout and it's okay. a pretty good deal. So I would get over and do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just thanks for listening. And thanks to my, uh, my, my partners in crime and Troy Lee and profile racing Kushkor and seven protection. Excellent. Well, we've loved having you on the podcast and really hope we get to do this again sometime soon. I know I've had a blast. I've learned a ton and I know that my audience will really appreciate this. So as soon as this goes live, we'll put it out there for everybody else to hear again, guys. So uh, thanks again for tuning in. Uh, next couple next podcast episodes are going to be really good. So stay tuned. We've got a lot of good stuff for you. So again, thank you. Jason for your time. Thank you for your intention and all of your years of experience and sharing that with us today. Really appreciate it. So guys, we'll see you on the next episode. This is Dave. And I'll talk to you next week. Hey everyone. This is Dave again. Thank you so much for listening in. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. 
share with your riding friends and follow us at mountainbikeacademy.com forward slash podcast. Also, if you love the show, help us help the riding community by leaving us a positive review. This allows more people to see, connect, get inspired, and it makes this world a better place to ride. Thanks so much for your help, and we'll see you on the next episode.